welcome to another edition of Votorade's Wonk and Circumstance podcast. We are now just a couple of episodes away from the end of the legislative session, at least the scheduled end of the legislative session. But before we talk about that, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Votorade. Today, the day of publishing, Coral Gables is having a runoff election for commission between the top two candidates in Group 5. Sweetwater also has an election coming up on May 9th. For both of those elections, you can go to Votorade.co, that's V-O-T-E-R-A-I-D dot C-O, and take a brief survey in less than five minutes. You will be matched to the candidate on your ballot that most lines up with your opinion on the issues of the election that matter. Again, that website is Votorade.co. And it is available right now for Coral Gables and Sweetwater residents and will be available very, very soon for the elections that are coming up later on this year. Now, as I mentioned, it's not entirely for sure that the Florida legislature will be finishing on time. That schedule was supposed to be over on May 5th. However, the budget is up for debate, a significant debate. The House and the Senate are far apart, and the governor does not seem to be on board specifically with the House's plan for the budget. A primary reason for that is our topic for the episode today, which is Enterprise Florida and Visit Florida. These are two different agencies, private-public partnerships, that operate at the state level. Their budget is determined by the legislative budget that is put out every year. Our guest today, Harut Samra, is going to help us learn a little bit more about the agencies, what work they do, and a little bit about that fight that I mentioned between the House, the Senate, and the Governor. Without further ado, here's Harut. So hi, Wonky. My name is Harut Samra. I'm an attorney with DLA Piper here based in Miami, Florida, and I concentrate on international disputes, arbitration, and litigation. I'm going to talk a little bit today about the, the you know, recent controversies related to Enterprise Florida and Visit Florida and pending legislation relating to both of those entities. Uh, you know, of course, that Enterprise Florida and Visit Florida are two entities that relate to economic development here in the state. Uh, both have been championed by Governor Rick Scott. Uh, Enterprise Florida concentrates on trying to recruit new business, creating jobs here in the state of Florida. They've been, they are instrumental in reaching out to companies that are looking to open either new uh, offices, new branches, or even in some case actually mo- uh, some cases actually moving their headquarters. Uh, Visit Florida is principally the the, the state's main uh, tourism promotion entity, and they have a rather significant budget that's dedicated to marketing for the state from a statewide perspective, protecting the brand of the state of Florida. Both of these entities, as I mentioned earlier, have been championed by Governor Scott, and both of them are really central to his plan. Uh, to increase the number of jobs and increase the economic development here in the state of Florida. And and this is a record that I think has been fairly successful so far, but both have also come under some fire in recent years uh, for some various controversies that we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, But in this current legislative session, both are also under uh, quite a bit of scrutiny by by the Speaker of the House, Richard Corcoran, uh, who has proposed essentially defunding both of these entities and essentially doing away with both of them. Uh, there are arguments for and against. We'll talk about those. Both of these are central to the governor's efforts and to the state's efforts to be an economically vibrant state that attracts both employers and employees from all around the country, but also tourists from the perspective of Visit Florida. 
I think the biggest question that somebody who is maybe just getting involved in politics overall or politics in the state level for the first time after the 2016 elections would ask is, why is Enterprise Florida uh, or or subsidies for business, why is it so controversial? It seems like the kind of issue that if it were to come up in a legislative session would be kind of a back burner issue, would, would not be as important as other things but seems to be the dominant issue in the state legislature. So why is this such a big deal in 2017? Yeah, and I think that that's a good question. And I think it really is because this is a key issue for the current Speaker of the House. Uh, there really is, there are a few other issues maybe that have brought it to the fore and that have put it in the news. Um, we can talk about some of those controversies, but really the main reason that this has become such an important issue in this session is because the Speaker wants it to be. Uh, and as a result, it's really been at the pol- at the forefront a lot of the policy discussions, and really probably one of the most sort of searing debates that's been going on currently in Tallahassee, uh, beginning with the relationship between, of course, the governor and the speaker, which at times has been strained uh, by this issue, and that might be an understatement. So it's hard, I think, with this issue to separate the ideology of it from the uh, real politique of it, of the relationship you're mentioning between the Speaker of the House, Corcoran, and the Governor of the state, uh, Scott, with the Florida Senate kind of stuck in the middle somewhere. It's it's kind of unclear where they fall in their their attention on this particular issue. So let's take a step back from the, the political side of it and look at more the ideology of it. Does Enterprise Florida have a a specific and real effect on the state budget, on business in the state? Is this something that is a net negative or a net positive for the state of Florida overall, in your opinion? I think, in my opinion, it's without question a net positive. Uh, This is an entity that, you know, it's really kind of an interesting entity. It's one, it's essentially a public-private type entity in that it's, it's funded by the state, but at the same, and the governor serves as its uh, chair, but its board is composed of private individuals from throughout the state of Florida, many of whom are leading business people uh, in their uh, cities. And it, 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 there's little question that it has been at the center of a lot of the governor's efforts to recruit um, new opportunities, new jobs, but also new, new, new companies here to our state. This has been, um, of course, his agenda for most of the last you know, six years or so, seven years going on that he's been the governor. And I think most people would agree that he's been pretty successful in this. And for that reason, I think uh, the governor has defended Enterprise Florida with real vigor. Um, there, there are reasons why we want to preserve this, um, preserve our ability to work with uh, companies that are coming to our state or looking to come to our state, or in some cases, actually looking to move and they might be looking at a handful of states, and Florida is one of those. And there are a lot of things that are great about our state, and Enterprise Florida uh, at its core is about promoting those things and making sure that companies are aware of those. But also, of course, they serve an important part in terms of developing the incentive packages uh, that, it, that lure these companies to our state. And I think that that is, to a certain degree, probably a lot of the controversy. There's some real disagreement as to whether these are uh, you know, an appropriate use of state funds or not. But the fact is, uh, we can have a theoretical discussion about this. The fact is that virtually every other state participates in this kind of competition. And for Florida to essentially say that we, for 
philosophical reasons or do not think that this kind of incentivizing uh, incentivization works or we don't think that this kind of incentives that these kinds of incentives are um, what we we should be doing in the state of Florida that really amounts to not much other than unilateral, unilateral disarmament we would be competing with other states who are looking for a lot of the same employers employee you know and, and employment opportunities uh, without the same tools that other states have to, to compete and so yeah if every state agreed not to you know have this kind of competition it would be a probably it would be a different universe and it would be a different conversation but that's just not the case we compete vigorously with Georgia we compete vigorously with South Carolina and Texas and a number of other states around the country who also have very pro business regulatory environments as we do they also have very pro business tax uh environments as we do uh but they're competing also in, by providing incentives and we also need to be able uh, to compete in that way if we want to remain uh, at the front of people's minds when they're thinking about where to go uh, in the event that they're thinking about a relocation or even, as I said, an expansion of some kind. What about the argument when it comes to competing with other states and having other states do similar subsidies? And I'm not sure what the rates are in different states, even neighboring states like compared to Florida's, but what about the argument that Florida in and of itself could attract people without the 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 crutch of the subsidy as opponents would say so for example you know miami beach is there regardless of how much money the government spends uh disney world is in orlando regardless of how much money the government spends and they're going to attract people on their own so the argument that an opponent would make that says that florida could attract these people regardless and in that sense it's a waste uh, is that a valid argument, or is that something that uh, maybe is simplifying a more complicated issue? Yeah, I think it's an oversimplification, and it's one that probably and and it's one that lacks uh, a real foundation. I mean, it's it's easy to say that that's the case, but the fact is, a lot of companies, while they're attracted to the sunshine, are also looking at you know bottom line, uh, you know profit driven uh, reasons for these moves. So yes, we can offer a lot of things, but there are also some things that maybe we can't offer uh, when it comes to you know public transportation and other kinds of things that some of our, some of these uh, large businesses might be looking for. So I mean, not, no one is has a perfect sort of mix, but the fact is, you know, if you're offering a company a very significant tax incentive uh, to get them to move, it's a hard thing to turn down even in the face of our sunshine, of course, which is something we're very proud of. And that said, it's also worth clarifying that the kinds of incentives uh, the state of Florida does give are also incentives that are performance-driven, which is to say not only are they based on expectations, they're not at all actually based on expectations, they're, they're based on performance. So if you are committing to generate a certain number of jobs in exchange for a Incentives of uh, incentive of some kind, you actually don't get the incentive until you perform, and this is also a major difference with a lot of other states. Many states provide this money up front. So that said, our incentives may not be as generous as those, as those of many other states, in part because they require the company that's receiving these incentives to actually do what they say they're going to do. Uh, no free passes. You don't get an incentive to come in uh, with a promise of generating a certain number of jobs. And then, of course, get to keep the money if you fail to generate those jobs. That's not how our incentives are structured. 
And that's, I think, also a major difference. And one, of course, that companies might take into consideration, but one that we here in the state of Florida have struck a balance on, and that works for us, and that has worked for us for most of the last couple decades. So we have this system where it is based on uh, results, as you were saying. Right. The payouts don't come at the beginning. However, uh, there has been some hot water over contracts that both Enterprise Florida and Visit Florida have signed in, in recent years, and there have been questions about their efficacy, despite the fact that there was a payout. And of course, the, the contract that most people who follow the legislature are thinking of is the $1 million contract that Visit Florida signed with Pitbull. Was that a good contract? Because, I mean, the way I look at it uh, in researching this issue, it seems like that contract is the catalyst for Speaker Corcoran attacking Visit Florida in particular. And uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of defense of, of Visit Florida's contract, but it just seems he still got the pay. Right. I think that you have to separate that, maybe defending that contract from defending Visit Florida. Obviously, that contract was highly controversial. But what we've seen happen is since that contract uh, came to light, uh, and, and there was a process by which it came to light that also made it even probably more controversial, it's fair to say. Yes. But after that, pro- after that contract came to light, there were serious um, changes at Visit Florida. And there is a movement to make the process more transparent, uh, consistent with our broader culture of transparency here in the state of Florida, and to ensure that the, and relatedly to ensure that the contracts that the state is entering into as part of its tourist promotion efforts are uh, effective. Uh, both in the short and long term. And I think that what we've seen is a reaction, including by the governor and other uh, leadership here in the state of Florida, to deal with maybe a contract like this one that wasn't perceived as, a, as, as having maybe the value that we would like it to have had, uh, even though there are, I think, questions about that as far as exactly the benefit that we got. And the benefit actually you know, was fairly significant using a celebrity brand to promote the state. Uh, but even so... Uh, that should be separated from the broader question of tourism promotion here in the state. Tourism is a very, very large industry. I shouldn't have to tell people. It's, I believe, the largest industry currently in the state of Florida and one that is extremely consequential, generates a spectacular amount of our state's revenue, almost a quarter of our state's revenue, uh, and one that I think would be consequential if we failed to promote um, the brand of our state. Visit Florida does something that no one else does. Not any individual actor here in the state, whether it's Disney or any association, the hotel associations, etc. It promotes the brand of our state. Uh, and if you, as you travel around the country, particularly in the winter, uh, you can imagine how effective a, a sign that shows a beautiful Florida beach is um, you know, when you're in the 30s uh, in the Northeast. Uh, these things can be pretty effective, and no one else is quite doing this kind of advertising. And I think that there's really no question that it's effective. Uh, there are other states that have experimented with cutting their tourism promotion uh, budgets, Colorado included, and it attended pretty badly for them, I think it's fair to say. And the fact that tourism is so important for us means that I think it's an even higher risk for us to toy with it. We can't risk you know, killing the golden goose. This has been an immense part of what's made Florida so successful and what makes our value proposition for Florida citizens so great. Florida citizens enjoy a, a whole range of services uh, that are paid for effectively by tourism dollars. 
and we can't ignore that fact. Uh, so this is not just a question of, you know, tourism, but the um, impact that tourism has on the lives of Floridians uh, and, and what that means for, for us here in the state. Less tourism in our state means that we will have to pay more in taxes, whether that's an income tax, which thankfully right now we're one of just a few states that do not have an income tax, or more in property taxes or more in fees. It would mean that we would have to pay more to the state in order to receive the same number of, or amount of benefits, which right now, uh, thankfully, we're able to offset by a significant um, amount of revenue. As I said, almost a quarter of the state's revenue that's generated from tourism. I think it's clear that the purpose of Enterprise Florida and Visit Florida are to use uh, tax dollars in order to stimulate businesses in different industries and generate more in tax revenue than is the money spent out. So a, a positive ROI. Uh, so how does the success level of Enterprise Florida compare with a couple of high-profile other forms of subsidies? We have one that across the board people disagree with, uh, and that is using state funds to uh, build stadiums for uh, teams in different uh, professional sports leagues. Or we have uh, subsidies that are used for the film industry, which I think people are very aware of because of the locations different uh, TV shows and movies choose to film in. So kind of a little bit of, of variance there in the success. Where would Enterprise Florida's uh, performance in the last 20 years or so fall on that spectrum? Yeah, I, and I think it's important to emphasize that these are completely different things. Mm -hmm. uh, Enterprise Florida is about creating opportunities and incentivizing companies to move, relocate, open up divisions, branches, offices here in the state of Florida to make significant investments in the state. This is not and should not be uh, sort of e equated with, you know, building stadiums. As we've seen in the last, you know, really decade, uh, there's been a significant movement away from that kind of uh, investment here in the state, and in part because the perception that it isn't, uh, it doesn't present the same value proposition. And so for that reason, we've effectively stopped here in the state investing significant amounts of money to build stadiums uh, for professional athletic teams. Uh, the last significant one that I can recall, of course, is the Marlins Stadium here in South Florida. Yeah, but of course, a, another reason that put a pick through uh, any more stadiums, I think, right, for a long time. Right, that that was a controversial uh, that that was a controversial situation. But what we've seen since then, of course, is with the Dolphins, uh, where uh, the Dolphins' efforts to get significant money from the state were not successful. And what that has done, interestingly, is it's persuaded Stephen Ross that he, this kind of funding really is not appropriate. And and even he, for example, used that. As among as as one of the reasons for voting against his for one of his for as one of the reasons for his recent decision to vote against the Raiders' move to to Las Vegas, he explicitly but cited. To be this fair, Root, he I'm sorry to cut you off, but to be fair, he did seek public funding initially before going the private route later on when he was no denied. Question. No question, and he was denied, and he didn't then threaten to move the team. He took hundreds of millions of dollars out of his own pocket and invested it in building, rebuilding, essentially the state, uh, the what's now called the Hard Rock Stadium here in South Florida, where the Miami Dolphins play. Uh, and this is because, from an economic standpoint, it was worth his while to get more Super Bowls here into South Florida, and what that meant, of course, for the Miami Dolphins organization and for the stadium that he owns. And so, there are important differences. I think that 
stadiums are an example of the kind of thing that our state is now moving away from funding. We've seen that already uh, in the last decade, examples like the Dolphins, where such funding was not made available. But, uh, you know, even so, I think the film industry is fairly similar. I think the value proposition was not perceived as being quite what the value proposition is for an enterprise Florida or from a visit Florida in terms of the return on investment, as you said. As, as much as many of us like um, these kinds of film incentives because it has, you know, it brings even more celebrities here to South or different South Florida or different parts of the state. I think again, people who've looked at this critically, as 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 folks up in Tallahassee do, uh, did not feel that it it was the same value proposition as as I mentioned, Enterprise Florida, in terms of just the number of jobs and revenue it was bringing into the state, in you know, exchange for the incentives that were provided. So overall, uh, looking at a perspective of whether or not to try to use state funds to stimulate uh, specific industries. Is this something that in the big picture you think is a, a worthwhile endeavor or something that needs to be closely monitored uh, to ensure that there aren't potential high-profile failures like we have seen get attention in recent, recent years? I don't think anyone would say that this should not be monitored closely. Uh, and I think that the current administration of these kinds of incentives is one that monitors it closely. Uh, the governor is one who looks for uh, results. There's, I think, no question about that. For anyone who's uh, ever interacted you know, with a governor or who's worked with the governor, that's, I think, the, the one thing you consistently hear. Uh, this, is a, this is a very demanding boss in the sense that he expects results. And so I, I don't think that anyone thinks that this should not be scrutinized or that it should not or that um, that it should be sort of a free for all. The opposite, you know, the, the way we handle these things in Florida is results oriented, and it focuses on, as you said, the ROI on the return on investment. It doesn't pay out for a for a promise. It, the incentives only uh, are delivered when the actual results have been obtained, and that I think is a very significant thing to keep in mind. And as you said, I think that there has also been an increased, maybe renewed um, commitment to transparency in these in these areas. And I think that that's something that uh, will be a positive as well going forward. Um, but yeah, no question, nobody's arguing that this should be a a free for all or that it should somehow be permitted to be non-transparent. I think that the, the principles of you know, the, the basic principle of transparency, which is so important to us here in the state, applies here too. And it's been applied, and it will continue to be applied. What about the potential argument that there's a, a crowding out effect? Even if there's a positive ROI, uh, even if there is shown to be significant benefits for what actually happens, the, the fact that the money's being spent at the state level is preventing the private markets from taking care of an issue on their own and potentially delivering more value. Again, I think, Honky, that that is sort of the, the theoretical world that if we lived in it would be, you know, that would be a great response or a great outcome. But the fact is we live in a world where people do compete. And when I say people, states do compete uh, using these kinds of incentives. And, you know, m Visit Florida and the kind of marketing that that does is a completely separate issue. I think, from what you're referring to. But to the extent that others are using these kinds of incentives and these kinds of 
um, methods to lure uh, businesses away from one another in some cases. Uh, it would be, as I said, effectively to unilaterally disarm in this process. Let's uh, look at reality for a second. Is anything going to change? It, do you, the, the, there have been suggestions that the budget of both agencies will, will be set to zero by the House. Of course, uh, the legislature's sole function constitutionally is to pass a budget, which they must do by the end of session, uh, which is coming up very, very soon on May 5th. Are Enterprise Florida and Visit Florida going to be around come July? And if so, will they have a slash budget or will uh, the House blink first and the agencies will continue on generally unabated for another year? I think that both agencies will continue to be around. As to what their specific budgets will be, it's hard to say. And I think that that will likely be a matter for some negotiation, uh, as it always is, uh, as it is from year to year. Uh, that won't change, and it won't change in the in the future either. But I, I have, I'm pretty confident that both agencies will be around, and both of them will continue to do the good work that they've done uh, in 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 the past. All right. Uh, any uh, any final thoughts? Anything uh, that I may have forgotten to ask? Uh, something you want to say, et cetera? No, I, th- I think that covers it. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much, Harut, for uh, all of your insight on this seemingly uh, niche but yet incredibly important issue this year for the legislative session and uh, we'll see what happens in this last week and a half whether or not Enterprise Florida lives to see another day indeed we'll see thank you Wonky it's my pleasure the end of session is almost here and that means that our wrap up of the season is coming close Whether or not our episode following the scheduled end of session will be a wrap-up episode or merely an intermission is yet to be determined, and I guess that's in the hands of Speaker Corcoran, Senate President Negron, and, of course, Governor Scott. Until then, remember that if you live in Sweetwater, Florida, or in Coral Gables, Voter Aid is live and available for you so that you can cast an informed ballot when you head to the ballot box. If you are in Coral Gables and you are listening to this on April 25th, the day of the release, it is election day. I know you voted a couple of weeks ago, but there's a runoff today. Voterate is there to help you out, take our survey, and know which of the two candidates on your ballot most agree with your views. For Sweetwater, your election is on May 9th, and we've got you covered there as well. If you live in other cities like Miami, Hialeah, Miami Beach, Orlando, St. Petersburg, don't worry, we'll be there for you in just a short while. So, until next time.